Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I'm the founder and host, Ms. Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is Kate Arredondo, and here is a bit about Kate. She is a newly published author, mental wellness coach, and speaker who lives with bipolar disorder. She recently left corporate America and accounting to fulfill her passion, empowering others to find stability and balance in mind, body, and spirit so that they can manage and achieve overall well-being. She is an animal lover and avid runner. On weekends, you can find her enjoying Mother Nature's backwoods and camping in her beloved family travel trailer. She was inspired to write her book because she wants others struggling with their mental health to know that their life matters. While there will be ups and downs, Her book shows that anyone can find personal happiness from simple, everyday joys. So without further ado, please welcome Kate Arodando, or Arodando. Thanks, Genesis. I'm very happy to be here and uh, to be talking with you and your listeners today. And um, thanks for that introduction. Yes, I um, I think I'm a big self-help uh, like guru always on the lookout for how to grow and, um, how to kind of learn more about, um, just overall like wellness, but yes, I definitely really have, um, that spark for the mental wellness and, and mental health and wanting to be a big advocate, um, for that community, especially after my background with bipolar disorder. Absolutely. And it's always amazing to see how someone can take what they're dealing with and look for the good in it to not just help themselves, but help other people. And today we're going to spend some time talking about mental mental health and wellness and looking at some self-awareness tips, as well as really practicing mindfulness whenever you are dealing with a mental illness, just so you can have that long term stability and just make sure that you are living life optimally. But before we jump into our segment, we're going to start with either a icebreaker. You could choose from an icebreaker in the beginning or a rapid fire game at the end. Ooh, um, man, the rapid fire is intriguing. Uh, but I guess let's go with uh, the icebreaker. Don't put me on the spot too much. <laughs> All righty. You all heard her. So we're getting ready to break the ice with Kate. So Kate, I want you to share something crazy that you've done in your life or a fun but interesting fact about yourself. Ooh, okay. Um, let's see. Man, the first one, I don't even know if I want to end it too, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, but I'm really big into, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, I was really big into fast cars, muscle cars. And, um, yeah, one time I was, uh, driving on the highway and, uh, there was another car that wanted to kind of like, Hey, let's run them sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, I kind of did. And, uh, at the same time, there was like a, 
helicopter patrol on the highway. And uh, yeah, I kind of had to uh, lose the helicopter. So that was fun. And I don't know how many people really know that story, but uh, the helicopter fortunately went after the other car and not me. So I don't know how I managed to get out of that one. But after then, I was like, yeah, this is too much. This is not, this is not <laughs> something I should be doing. But uh, I had the need for speed for sure when I was younger. Now that I'm a mom, I can't even, I can't even imagine <laughs> that. But oh that my gosh. definitely something not a lot of people probably know. <laughs> Oh my gosh, as you were talking, that's what popped into my head, need for speed, because I was like, yes, I love it. Like I was over here lighting up to see how the story was going to end, because I absolutely love muscle and fast car. My dream car is a Lamborghini, and I want it black on the outside, black on the inside with blue neon lights, and I want to pull up to the stoplight, and I wish a guy would think that it's a guy driving it. I'm like, yeah, let's go. But let's go, Bubba. <laughs> yes, no, that's exactly how it's like, okay, I'm doing it. Yes, I hear you. Wishful, wishful thinking, but it's so funny when you become a mom, you can't do so, some of those things. But I tell my husband, babe, that's why we watch the movie Working Moms or there's, uh, well, no, the TV show uh, Working Moms on Netflix. And yeah. then the movie Bad Moms, I was like, there has to be just one day where you can kind of just let loose, bro. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, you're so right. It's so true. Um, when I had to go from a manual, I'd always driven manual cars to an automatic. I, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it. And I still like think, man, I really miss having like the stick shift, but it definitely does come in handy <laughs> having automatic when you have kids. But I'm like you, like there's always going to be that need for speed. It's just going to have to be contained. <laughs> no. Yes. And I'm glad we broke the ice on that segment because who would have thought that we both like the need for speed and have the need for speed. But you know what? We've tailored it back because we're in motherhood. And so we think about the safety for our children right. and ourselves. So let's jump into um, mental health and just you dealing with mental illness. Um, some people know, know of bipolar and other people confuse bipolar with schizophrenia. So what I always like to do is start with a definition so people understand the topic that we are going to talk about and then we build the foundation that way they could really connect with the dots in case they know anyone that is dealing with something similar that we talk about or if they have any questions because our main goal here is to really just educate them on this topic but also pull back the negative stigmas that's around mental health and just really spread awareness around the subject matter so what is a bipolar and what are some of the symptoms that you deal with, Kate? Yep. So bipolar disorder, it's also, um, people probably have heard manic depressive disorder, um, but there are two types. So there's type one and type two. I am type two. Type one is more where you have more of the state of mania um, and kind of less um, episodes of depression. And then type two is more of your more of those depressive episodes and less of the mania. So I um, would have phases of mania, um, but mine weren't 
as necessarily um, intense as someone who's going through type one bipolar disorder, but my lows are super low. Um, and that's not necessarily the case with type one. I like to say like for me as type two, taking my medications made me feel good, right? Cause it would take me out of the, the lows and the depression and the darkness and kind of bring me back to a, a state of normalcy mid-level. But for people that are type one, they're kind of in this like euphoria, euphoria, you know, I can do whatever I'm invincible. Like they don't sleep and their brain is just going, going, going. So for them, it's more of a, a downer when they take medication. Um, and so I like to kind of tell people about that to really give them the understanding too of why for a lot of people it is hard to um, be stable and stay on medications because for depending on what type you are you know for me it made me feel better but for them it, it brings them down so that's the main difference between bipolar disorder and you know I think schizophrenia is um, definitely something that I would consider much more um, intense as far as a mental illness where you bring in things like hallucinations and um, kind of requires uh, more more help um, to kind of really kind of get um, the the disease kind of um, stable for sure. And thank you for sharing that there are two types with um, bipolar disorder because I had no idea so that was a learning for me and what age were you diagnosed with a bipolar disorder? And did you suspect that something was going, going on? Because some people say, oh, well, there's just a chemical imbalance and you could fix it with medication. But right. what happens when you're taking that medication and you get hooked on it and you become dependent on that medication and then it doesn't work over a period of time? Yeah, no, I was... I was misdiagnosed for years, actually, Genesis. Um, I went through several different psychologists, um, psychiatrists, and I was diagnosed either as depressive at one point, put on antidepressants, um, diagnosed as like ADHD anxiety, and put on medication for that. And But what that does for someone who has bipolar disorder is it actually intensifies what's going on. So when you're not on that mood stabilizer, that's like your main base medication, then having those different drugs without a mood stabilizer kind of can swing you into higher and lower phases um, of, of your kind of mood swings. And, you know, I think one misconception that people have a, from bipolar disorder is that like one day you feel this and the next day you feel that and you're like constantly all over the place. But really for like type one and type two, we're talking about prolonged periods of time, like months and weeks and or years of feeling that way. And then there are people that are more rapid cyclers, but even then it's not like a daily thing. It's more of a long-term weeks, months um, kind of situation. But for me, I really started noticing um, something was up when I was my junior year of high school. Um, and, you know, my mom, I was fortunate. My mom was a medical doctor. Um, and so she was able to be like, you know, something's up. I'm not sure what, obviously that wasn't her area of medicine. Um, but 
she knew something was wrong, right? And knew where to start to kind of figure out what was going on. But it did, it took many years in, you know, really advocating for, you know, for her advocating for me to be able to find a doctor um, and the doctor that I still uh, see in order to kind of get that diagnosis and understand that I gotta be on a mood stabilizer first. And yes, I will have periods where I am manic or depressive and you do take medications to stabilize you, but it's never without taking that um, main mood stabilizer. So that is also something, you know, I think um, the misconception of like how quickly your mood fluctuates and then that really you have to have that base mood stabilizer in your medicine management um, to really kind of begin to get to that stable um, place. But I was also fortunate that my doctor um, is one of those that really likes to only give you what you need, you know? And so once I was able to kind of learn and grow and stabilize, then she would be like, okay, so let's try, let's try something different. Like, let's try less of a mood stabilizer and see what happens. And I love her for that because I think people don't understand when you're on those types of medications, kind of how it makes you feel, or I should say how it makes you don't feel right. It really kind of suppresses you. Um, my experience was really just feeling like I was just kind of zombie. Um, and a lot of those medications can make you gain a lot of weight, bipolar medications, um, and make you very, very sleepy. So on my highest dose of the mood stabilizer, like what it took to get me stable in the beginning, I was sleeping 15, 16 hours um, and still feeling tired, right? Um, but it's but purely the medication. And once we were able to kind of get me stable and then work to lower that dose, then I could get down to a normal seat, you know, of eight hours or seven or eight hours and feel okay. Um, but that for me was really like the understanding of, um, the different medications and, and not, and not wanting to kind of be at the mercy of them, I guess I should say. And thank you for sharing that because, you know, as you were sharing your, your journey and how you got diagnosed you cover self-awareness because you were aware that something inside did not feel right. And then you went to your mom and your mom also noticed it. And then both of you um, did it together as a partnership. Then you pulled in the medical professional, which is your doctor that you still see today. And one thing that I like that you mentioned with your doctor, it sounds like y'all work on it together as a partnership versus her just saying, okay, no, this is the solution and this is what you're going to do. There's actually dialogue that's happening between you and your physician. And some people may not be fortunate to have that with their physician where they feel turned off and then they feel like, oh, I'm, I'm crazy. Something's wrong with me. Um, right. I don't have the help. I don't have the support. And that could actually cause them to sink deeper into a depression when they're not feeling seen or heard in a way that is conducive to just help them with their health. And then before you know it, they're not having that stability because there's nothing that is keeping them grounded. Exactly. And then, yeah. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. So then um, that's the self-awareness piece. And then also mindfulness. You were mindful of where you were at, how you feel and et cetera. And, but there's also more components um, with self-awareness and my, and mindfulness. So I'm going to allow you to chime in there, um, Kate, because this is a good conversation to have, because I want to bring this to the forefront, because if we're talking about this, it's helping people overcome those negative stigmas or overcoming those myths that they hear of people being depressed or people being manic or people going through um, bipolar disorder. You don't know it unless you have a transparent conversation like this. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I think the term, you know, bipolar or mood swings gets thrown around. Um, and you know, it's not fair because at the time, like there truly is a chemical imbalance happening. And even like, I, I had my mom who was supportive medical doctor understood like things like this happen. Right. But my father in the beginning didn't, And he was very much felt like, oh, you should just be able to snap out of it. Like, this is something that you just need to pull yourself up from. And it's like, when you're in that and you're not stable, that's not possible. It's just chemically not possible without that help. And I'm huge, even though I'm not medicated now, I still believe in medication management. I still go see my doctor. I still make sure that... I do all the things to keep me there. And it has taken me years, decades, almost, almost two decades now to get to this point. And so it is not just like, you know, snap your fingers and everything's back to kind of normalcy. And it's not someone that when they are in that phase can just snap their fingers. It really does need a professional and, and, you know, train uh, medicine management to really help them get through that. So, you know, I know that term like mood swings and um, gets thrown around and, you know, it's not, it's, it's not something that they can truly control at that point, but definitely once, and I think a big thing, and this may help with that stigma for people to understand that the brain is still an organ, right? I think there's this misconception that the brain is like the most powerful part of our body and that it's just all knowing and it's just this massive computer, right? But people don't understand or think about that is just an organ and it can fail like any other part of our body. And when I was at a point where I was I was feeling stable for the first time. And I'm like, oh, I got this. Like, I'm back. I'm good. I don't need my medicine. And I actually stopped taking it. And I didn't tell anybody. And that was a disaster, you know, because obviously those medications, it takes time to build up and get at that therapeutic level. And it should take time to taper off. You know, it's not something you just kind of like stop taking your medicine and everything's fine. Like there's repercussions for that. And so when I was having that conversation with my doctor about, no, like I felt fine. Like I'm good. I was just like a stage in my adolescence. And she looked at me and she was like, but Kate, if I told you that you were type one diabetic and you needed insulin, 
would you take the insulin? I'm like, well, of course, like my body's not making it. Yeah. Like, cause I understood what that meant as a type one diabetic. And she's like, okay, well, what if I told you your heart needed this medication because you had this, you know, disease, would you take it? I'm like, well, of course, I don't want to have a heart attack. Right. And she's like, well, then why do you not think your brain is the same way? And, um, I was like, oh yeah, but a lot of people don't think about the brain being an organ and a brain having the ability to let's, you could say like short circuit or have a chemical imbalance or whatever you may want to say, but the brain, the brain does long story short, it does. Um, and really for me, the, the meditation and like mindfulness and the self-awareness was what started my process of being able to be at like the driver's seat of the disease instead of it driving me because I had been stable with medication for a long time for years and then I was at a point where I wanted to have a family and get pregnant and you know I didn't know if that was even going to be a possibility for me given being on the medications and, um, kind of the rest for the, the fetus. Um, and so when I talked to my doctor, she was, you know, like, yes, I think you can do this because I think you've done the work to where you understand and you're, you, you will raise your hand when you need it and you'll let me know and we can go from there. But in order for me to get to that point, I had to tape off my medications over six months and make sure that in that time I wasn't going to get pregnant. And then it was all stipulated based on how I did. Right. So if during that time I wasn't able to reduce my medication, then obviously that would kind of change the trajectory of what I wanted to do. Um, so it really was for me, it was, I had to kind of do extra, do the work, right? And really understand like, yes, this is a chemical balance. This is my brain. Um, but there are things that I can do to help manage it that I wasn't doing when I was this 16, 17, 18 year old, um, just barely trying to understand kind of what's happening sort of thing. So you definitely uh, were tracking your progress and you were definitely advocating for yourself. And I think that is what helped you with that long, uh, long-term stability. And now you mentioned that you are off of your medication, but you had to do the work in order to get towards that point. So what are some tips that you would offer someone so they can have long, long-term stability and whenever the time is right, start weaning off of that medication and, you know, living life to the fullness without being so dependent mm -hmm. on what the medication is doing for them. Because there's a lot of people who end up getting off of the depressive, um, the antidepressant medications, and they still are able to function while mitigating some of the um, problems that will come up, like the some of the symptoms that come up with those disorders because they're using other remedies and those could be the holistic practices. It could be right. just overall being mindful of what's going on in their space. And then also mitigating stress because stress can also trigger um, some of these mental illnesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think, you know, for me, I went through 
not only like working with my psychiatrist, but I went through talk therapy. Um, I also went through cognitive behavioral therapy. And I think for me, that was um, a great tool to really begin to understand this is what my brain's thinking, but what is the reality, right? And bridge the gap between what I thought was true versus what's the truth. Um, and, And then for me, really it was, I took the holistic approach um, and it was at the the direction of my doctor. So once I got pregnant and I had been breastfeeding, um, I was able to stay stable without medication. And that is thanks to pregnancy hormones and the body's natural ability to protect the baby at all costs. But once that went away, I had a panic attack and I realized then, you know, I didn't have a plan, right, for like what my life was going to look like post baby. And so I went to my doctor as soon as that happened. And I'm like, you know, I, my hormones are going away. I'm stopping breastfeeding. I need to, I need to figure out what I want to do, but I'm really don't want to go back on medication if possible or be back on a low dose. And she felt confident that I was at a point where I could do that. And she's the one who's like, you know, there are other things that I've tried with people before. Let's give it a shot. But it was always, but we'll have to see what happens. You know, like you may need medication. Um, And I was okay with that, but I wanted to give it a try. And she introduced me to meditation um, and, and really the concept of mindfulness. And at the time she was, had been meditating herself and really understanding how it actually can affect the physical parts of the brain. Um, and she even went to, as far as to start an MBCT program, which is mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, um, there's also people probably might've heard of MBSR, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction, but it goes to your point of like reducing stress, right. And having that self-awareness and having those tools, then you're able to kind of stop things before they become full blown depressive episodes or before your anxiety just revs up and up. And then you're just manic, Um, and so, you know, I think the, there's many different routes, both therapeutic, right. With cognitive behavioral therapy. I've also done a lot of research and heard great things about EMDR, um, especially for like trauma, um, based like previous trauma instances. And even when I read the book, the body keeps the score, it really kind of opened my eyes, um, to he is kind of a a world-renowned professor in trauma and um he he basically talks about that it's his belief that mental illness and kind of the um any disorder right mental health disorder stems from unprocessed trauma so people that haven't kind of been able to work through previous trauma the brain kind of takes that in and things happen that kind of stem to mental illness um but he also talks about like the initial antidepressants the initial drugs were supposed to be there to help someone 
who's having a depressive episode, get through the depressive episode, go through therapy, do some things with the doctor, and then get to a point where they have moved out of the depression. And at that point, then medication should be taken away. And there's kind of been a struggle with the medication being taken away. Um, and, and that's why I love to give so much credit to my doctor, because she's one of those that really was always trying to, if I don't need it, I don't need it. If we can reduce it, let's reduce it. Um, and for me, like once I read the book, the body keeps the score and really listened to his research and listened to his logic on that. It really gave me hope, right. That there's a, a lot of people that could probably be helped immensely by um, being able to go right and talk about and be comfortable right talking about previous things and especially trauma and that may even lead to where they don't need any medication for whatever kind of um, mental disorder or illness that they're experiencing at that time. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that was just so much helpful information. So just being in a safe space where you could talk about what is going on and you could look at some of the underlying causes that may have led to where you are and then working on getting over those um, causes, whether they're traumas or et cetera. And then once you get over that, then you could work with your physician to see, okay, based on this issue, this was the root cause of it that triggered, you know, this chemical imbalance. And now that we know what the root cause is and we're working on repairing it, now I can get off of the medication. But it's so important that you find a physician that actively listens to you and you do it as a partnership because it's a two-way street. Because if you get off of the medication, but you haven't um, tackled that root cause, then you're going to be right back where you started. And Kate, we're definitely going to have to have you back for a part two, because there's just so much information that I want to cover, but I need to be respectful of our time commitment. And I want you to um, think about a call to action, and we're going to come back to it after our rapid fire. So okay. are you ready to play rapid fire? Yes. <laughs> On a lighter note. <laughs> so the question number one, dream car. Oh, goodness. Oh, it'd have to be a Shelby Cobra. <laughs> I'm a Mustang lover. Um, it would have to be like an original Shelby Cobra. I would, I would die. Uh, <laughs> but or a Z, a BMW Z8, um, like V12. Uh, you know when they first came out, those that was my dream car. But going old school and going American Muscle would have to be a Shelby Cobra. <laughs> Amazing. Two, favorite food? Oh, gosh, Thai food. I love Thai food. It's, it's, yeah, my favorite thing. Three, if you could go anywhere in the world and money was no option, where would it be? Colorado. <laughs> it's my happy place, but I would have a caveat of uh, I would want to go to uh, St. John in the Virgin Islands because that is also my other happy spot. But uh, Colorado, for sure. In the mountains, gotta be. Amazing. Four, name a superpower that you would have. Ooh, 
Um, I would love to be a superpower, like be able to read minds. I'm fascinated with people. So I'd love to be able to read minds. Five, favorite book or movie? Ooh, that is good. Oh man, favorite movie? Uh, gosh, I, um, I'm a big like Lord of the Rings <laughs> kind of person. My dad had me read the books when I was young and I kind of fell in love with them, but I, I could watch Lord of the Rings any day, all, all of them through. Um, I just kind of love, love that story. Six favorite color. Ooh, green, definitely green. Um, I love nature and um, just the color green reminds me obviously of nature, but green for sure. Seven, coffee or tea lover or bobo tea? Oh man, tea all the way. I, I, I'm not a coffee person at all. The furthest I've gone with coffee is my Starbucks and the mocha latte packets. And I say it's fake coffee. So tea for sure. Okay, awesome. I love tea as well, but I also like coffee too. So eight, ooh, let's see. So if you could trade anything in the world, what would you trade and why? Oh my goodness. Mm. Wait, your sound got a little low there, Kate. Oh, sorry. Um man, that's a, that's a hard question because I live with like no regrets. Like everything happens for a reason. Goodness. Oh, you may have stumped me on that one. What would I trade? Oh, oh, I got it. The ability to sing. I cannot sing. And that is the one thing I would love to just be able to belt out a song and it sound beautiful. (laughs) There you go. Sorry. It took me a while amazing uh, I, always, I always love playing the, this game because people get really stumped um nine if you could go back in time even though you don't like to um relive certain things what advice would you give to your younger self oh that's a great question um to Oh man, to live authentically, you know, to just own it and be it and to just live authentically. And now 10, you can either pass or play. If you pass, you can ask me any question you want. If you play, I ask you one last question. Okay, I'll play. I'm down. Okay, so last question. Uh, Let's see. Marriage. What's one golden marriage advice? Oh my goodness. Um, golden marriage advice. Gosh, there's so many good ones. Um, but um like your have your spouse be your best friend. Um, that would be that's that would be the thing that I think your spouse being your best friend is um golden marriage advice. Love it. And I would also add on to that is date your partner. Yes. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) For sure. There's so many good ones. Um, uh, Oh gosh. Yes. I could go on. I could do a whole podcast on, 
<laughs> golden marriage advice because you know me and my husband been married for um it will be 11 years here um in a couple of weeks we've been together for 16 and uh you know they're We've learned some lessons. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Even though we're still young, we've learned a lot of lessons. Super awesome there. Thank you for playing Rapid Fire. And now jumping into our call to action segment. What is your call to action for the listeners and viewers? We talked about mental health as a whole. We gave them the understanding of bipolar disorder. There's two types. And then we also talked about self-awareness and mindfulness. So what do you want them to walk away with after listening to this segment? I think the thing I would say would be the big call to action would be for your listeners to be open-minded about mental health and, and also to be comfortable or to get to a spot where they are comfortable in allowing people to, to have those types of conversations. So educate yourself um, and understand that it's, it's a disease like any, of, any other disease and to really help us fight that stigma, right? That mental health needs to equal physical health. Thank you so much for sharing that. And then now let's plug your contact information. Share your website with us, Kate. And where do you primarily hang out on social media? Yeah, no, I primarily hang out on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my page is Alpenglow Coaching. Um, Alpenglow, I think, is a word not a lot of people are familiar with, but it's A L P E N G L O W. Um, it actually is kind of that like rosy um, hue right before the sunrise or right after the sunset opposite of, of um, the sky that those are happening, but it's kind of beautiful pinks and purples and just love that word, um, but not a known word. So Alpenglow Coaching, and I'm also on uh, LinkedIn under Kate Arredondo, and my website is almost um, launched, but findingthealpenglow.com um, will be my website, and that's where they can kind of learn more about me, more about the book, and uh, just kind of stuff that I have come in. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. You just heard Kate Arabondo. All of her contact information will be in the show notes. Make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We're on 40 plus platforms. And also head on over to YouTube for all things video content at GEMS with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, we are looking for brand sponsors where your products and services could be heard right here on GEMS Podcast, where the mission is to educate, inspire, and motivate while bridging the gap for diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. We're currently ranked in the top 3% globally out of 2.8 million podcasts per www.listennotes.com. So head on over to genesisamariskemp.net so you can become a brand sponsor. Spaces are limited, so get in where you fit in. And peace, love, and lots of blessings. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform as well as our YouTube channel. 
GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at GEMS, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcasts.